0: Today, a couple days after Thanksgiving, I want to talk about something related to Thanksgiving. And I hope, I think I saw by your show of hands, you all had a a good Thanksgiving. Did you take time during Thanksgiving to give thanks? Did you? You know, you could very easily, kind of like Christmas, you could go through the whole holiday season and never even really think about Jesus. Jesus. You could go through the whole Thanksgiving service season, eat all the turkey and to the best cranberries in the world my wife makes, um, eat all the cranberries and the turkey and and all the fixings, and never really take time to give thanks. And um, I hope we didn't do that this year, that uh, we really took time to give thanks. And you know what? Because of that, because of abundance and giving thanks, I really do love Thanksgiving. I was thinking about it this year. It may be my favorite holiday. Because I actually get frustrated at Christmas. That's why we're spending a whole month every year trying to reclaim Christmas. I get frustrated by the commercialization of Christmas. But Thanksgiving, except for the fact that they moved Black Friday now to Black Thursday, that you could go out shopping at 10 p.m. and stay up the whole night, which my boys did um, on a mission from us, actually. Um, They were at one store at 10 p.m., one store at midnight, and one store at 5 a.m. So I think Josh came home from shopping for us. I love older children. Um, At 8 in the morning. Um... And so, anyway, um, that, you know, started a little early. But other than that, Thanksgiving, I just love it. It's a time of giving thanks, plus the Packers won, you know. And so how much better could it be? You beat Detroit in 11-0, and and uh, it's, it's great. And so we have a lot to be thankful for, right? A ton to be thankful for. And, and this is a season, Thanksgiving season, that I think maybe more than any other time of the year, we think about and we act generously, You know, it's the one time a year. Suzanne and I have have a couple years of experience working in a street mission. It's the one time a year where street missions and food pantries turn away volunteers um, because everybody wants to act generous and show up on on Thanksgiving. Matter of fact, somebody from church told me they tried to go to a couple of different rescue missions and feeding programs in Milwaukee. They tried about three weeks before Thanksgiving to sign up at one and every single place said, we don't need you. Because it's the one day a year where everybody says, I want to live generously. I want to act generously. Um, and so that is good. We want to be generous. You know, it's a time of year we think about that. So today, I want to talk about generosity. and. Uh, because it's the most fitting thing, I think, for us to talk about this time of the year. But I want to talk about generosity from a perspective that might be a bit unusual. Not just the way you're saying, oh, I know where he's going. No, you don't. You have not a clue <laughs> where I'm going. And so, for a little bit unusual. And I want to set it up. So I want to, I want to set, you're going to have to follow me this morning. Sometimes I, I, I try to make sermons that are very easy to follow. Um, and, and this one is not hard to follow, but you're going to have to pay attention. Okay, Can you pay attention with me this morning? Amen. You know your teachers used to say? You got your thinking cap on? Your thinking cap on? Nothing great and deep necessarily, but life-changing and challenging dealing with this idea of generosity and looking at Scripture in a way that I bet you you've not done before. Because i got to admit, I felt led of the Lord to go to a section of Scripture that I never would have went to in generosity. But this is actually how it happened. My first day of vacation... Was bowl season. I was up north with my dad and my brother, and, and John. And they John was off in his trailer, and I was at like in the in the my dad's shack, this outhouse, no electricity, um, little gas heater. And uh, I woke up in the morning. And I got up immediately and they make me sleep in the back. There's two little rooms. They made me sleep in the back room because I actually built a separate room because I snore so bad that they made me first time in Suzanne's life she didn't have bags under her eyes in the last twenty some years because she got like a week without me snoring. And they put me in the back room, and they banished me, and they closed the door. And I got up. Actually, Brett was there one day and in the top bunk, and he got up and went and slept on the floor because I was snoring so loud that I woke, kept him awake. But anyways, this night, first night, I'm in there in my little snore chamber, and I got up, and I just made a beeline. All we have is a little picnic table inside, the, inside this little shack. And I grabbed the piece of paper, and I grabbed the pencil, and I started writing. And my dad and my brother are like, what are you doing? It was or 4.15 in the morning. What are you doing? And I said, I know my sermon outline <laughs> for the day I come back to church. And they're like, what? And I said, I know my sermon outline. I said, I, I've been thinking about it all night. I know my sermon outline. And it was a section of scripture that I never would have went to before, thinking of talking about generosity. Um, and so it's going to be coming from a little different slant today. But before we get to this different slant, on generosity, I want to lay a foundation to, to show you the blessing of being generous. And I, I want you to understand just some scriptural facts about generosity. Um, because they're going to serve as a foundation upon which we can build our lives upon. These two very positive results of being generous. And we're going to look at those first. Let's kind of lay them out there as facts to, to, to believe. Because they're biblical and they're from, they're from God. And then we're going to look at the kind of how to apply a generous life. So you can follow that process we're going to go through. I'm just going to toss out two flat facts. And then we're going to look at how do we apply generosity to our lives. So the first fact is this. And the reason I'm bringing these up today and I'm laying them as a foundation is I don't believe we honestly believe them. There's a lot of things about God's word we don't believe. Scripture says this. If two of you are gathered in my name, ask anything and it will be done. We don't really believe that. Do we? Okay, well, we say we do, but you know what? Then we, then we pray and then somebody we pray for somebody to get healed and they don't get healed. And we go, well, maybe it's not really true. Or we pray for a miracle it doesn't really happen because we say, but we don't understand it all. Because a lot of times we say we believe it, but we ask in our heart, do we really believe it? And these are two things about generosity that are foundational that you need to believe. In order to live a generous life. Because I'm going to go to step two about applying it. And if you don't believe these two facts, you're never going to do the things the Scripture is going to ask you to do. Because you're not going to believe there's going to be a reciprocal blessing in your life because of doing it. And understand this. A lot of times we miss this. The things we do that are spiritual, spiritually positive and that God tells us to do, do have a reciprocal blessing associated with them. We don't just do it to do it. We do it and God says, if you do it, I'll bless you because of it. There's nothing wrong with living in blessing. It's how God wants his kids to live in blessing. Okay, now we can take that too far and just go after things so that we try to get blessed by God, but we're not going to go that far. And so these are two foundational truths about generosity that we just have to believe in order to then apply how we're going to be generous. Okay, making sense so far? So truth number one about, about generosity is this. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You get more blessings by giving than you do by getting. We don't believe that generally. But Scripture says it's true. In Acts chapter 20, you don't need to turn there. You can write it down and look there later. In Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul is talking about working hard with his hands. And he simply says this. He says, And as Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So the, so the Apostle Paul quotes these words of Jesus that he knew Jesus taught that it was more blessed to give than to receive. It's why if you have a red-letter Bible, you're reading through the book of Acts, which has almost no red letters in it, because it's, it's post-resurrection. Jesus is in heaven, in ascension, but these words are in red, because the Apostle Paul says, Jesus said these words, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And in the context of those, those verses, Paul was talking about how he, as a preacher of the gospel, worked really hard with his hands, uh, as a tent maker, literally making tents, to provide for himself and his other workers, and it says this in that, story, in that text, and to help the weak. That he worked hard to earn a living to, to be a blessing. That he had come to understand um, that greater blessings, as he quoted this verse from Jesus, greater blessings flow into your life as a result of giving to others than the blessings received from getting from others or just compiling a whole bunch of stuff For yourself, you see, the Apostle Paul had learned that he was blessed as he earned through work, and then generously blessed others with his extra. Guess what? He discovered that Jesus was right. You know what? How good it is when we discover that Jesus is right. You know, sometimes we say it, but when we really believe it, Jesus is right. Where two or more do gather, He does hear us and answer. And so, that he understood that Jesus was correct. He understood, he learned through experience that it was more blessed to give than to receive. And this is, this is the way I need you to understand it today. That the joy that comes from giving is much greater than the happiness that comes from receiving. And every parent who gives presents to their children on Christmas understands that. Correct? That the joy, joy is something much greater than happiness, it's more internal. The joy that comes from giving is much greater than the happiness, which is short-lived usually, happiness that comes from receiving. So for this first one, we simply just need to accept it for what it is, a biblical fact straight from Jesus himself. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That's fact number one. Fact number two, as we're laying this foundation, just to believe that as we are generous, we will we'll be blessed for it. Second spiritual scriptural fact is this. Give, and it will be given back to you. Give, and it will be given to you. Um, it's called the law of reciprocity. That when you sow a seed, you get a plant. That when you give, God gives back to you. In Luke chapter 6, 38, it's where we get this text, this this verse from, or this this teaching from, it simply says this. Give, and it's talking about giving finances. That's the context of of this verse. It says, Give, and it will be given to you. They shall pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, for by your standard of measure it will be measured to you in return. You see, a biblical fact of generosity is that if you give, you get more in return. You get more back than you gave away. Generous people receive back blessings beyond what they give. That God gives abundantly to those who give generously. And that's why this text uses that is a word picture of farming. And it's a picture of farming, of having a basket that grain is being poured into. And it says that when you give generously, you'll get back abundantly. And it's like having a big bushel basket and the grain is poured in and they're trying to put so much in, they press it down and they shake it together. You ever do that with flour in a, in a cup? When you're, when you're baking, you shake it and it settles down. Press down, shaken together, but it's still running over. So that when you give abundantly, you will get back Abundantly. When you give generously, you'll get back abundantly. So two, two biblical principles about generosity that serve as a foundation. We got them. First of all, it is more blessed to give than to receive. We're blessed when we give, more than receiving. And number two, give and it will give given to you. You got those two? All right. That's first step with us today. With these in mind, I want to look at a section of Scripture that at first glance may seem to have absolutely nothing to do with generosity. But as we look at these verses, you're going to see that it has really has everything to do with generosity. In fact, what it's going to reveal is how and where to apply generosity to our very real life situations. You know what I love about God and his word? It's practical. He doesn't give ethereal things about His Word, we're supposed to sit in some ivory tower and meditate on it. He gives us practical things on how we apply Scripture, His truth to our everyday life, and that's what these verses are going to do. So grab your Bible, open to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read about 10 verses. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read them, and then we're going to kind of digress a little bit and then get to them. But we have to read them first. Matthew chapter five, starting in verse thirty eight. You got that? Matthew five, thirty-eight. You have heard that it is it was said. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Interesting, pay attention here. A lot of I've heard people often, especially men, say, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Pay attention to what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that's not right. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anybody wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he caused the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles Do the same. Let's stop right there. Now, before we break this text all down into its individual parts and apply it to generosity, I want you to understand something. Okay? You still tracking with me? I want you to understand something that's foundational. It's this. That Jesus' greatest work in any one of us is the salvation of our souls. You get that? It's His greatest work. That's priority of the work of God by His Spirit never changes, it's never in question. But, as we begin to live out our new life in Christ, we come to Jesus and we begin to grow and develop and interact with His Word and allow the Spirit to work in our lives. as we begin to live out this new life in Christ, it becomes clear that God is very desirous of doing more than simply saving us. He doesn't want us just to get saved and live in that condition like we were before we came to Him for the rest of our existence on earth. That God not only wants to save our souls, but He wants to help us to make our lives work. He wants to help us to make our lives become what they should become. That He wants to make our lives better because of our connection to Himself. And he says in his word that he has come in that helping us to learn to make it work, helping us to make us better, that he has come to enable us to reign in life. And that's what, it, what he means when he says that he has come that we might have life more abundantly. He promises us in the book of John, John 10.10. 10. He's come to give us life and life more abundant. That he is seeking to direct us into a life that makes us better than we were before he was in our lives. That he leads us to a life that, that brings us to this conclusion, I think. This is the target. To lives where we are holy and we are content and we are fulfilled children of God. Think about everything in your world. Those are the real things we long for. To be holy, overcome the struggles of sin. To be content, not striving. And to be fulfilled, doing what God created me to do. That's God's goal for us, to be holy, content, and fulfilled. Now follow this. One of the most important keys to experiencing this and becoming what God wants us to become is an ever-deepening determination to be, to be gripped with a heart of generosity in all areas of our lives. Generosity is the key to seeing God accomplish the goals in our lives that he wants us to accomplish. Jesus said this in scriptures. He says, freely you have received, freely give. Now, the text we read in Mark, in Matthew rather, the text we just read is all about showing us how a heart of generosity is expressed in everyday life it's about how we freely give since we have freely received that's what those verses are really all about about how to live generously in a day-to-day world and so let's look at those verses from from this uh, we're, we're going to look at those verses from this perspective but look how Jesus starts off in this in verse 38 he talks about An attitude or a lifestyle that's not like that. Jesus first talks about a typical attitude in verse 38. About a non-generous hearted perspective on life. And he says it like this. He says, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. In other words, normal, self-centered, unregenerated thinking says, do unto others as they have done unto you. That's what this phrase is really all about. It comes from the Old Testament law that said if someone knocked out your tooth, then your tooth should be knocked out in judgment. And then if someone pokes an eye out, that their eye should be poked out in judgment. It's about equitable justice. We say it like this, tit for tat, or even Stephen. It's non-generous. It's give what you got and get what you gave. It's even. It's about just equitable justice. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But along comes Jesus, this radical, this man who, this God man who challenges us to a totally different kind of thinking. Jesus calls his followers to something different, to something better, to something higher. He calls us to live lives of generosity. And he says this He says, You have heard that, but I say to you, verse 39, I say to you, Do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him. If anybody wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. There's no eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth there. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who who persecute you. Look at that. Jesus is saying that his way is different than the normal, self-centered, non-generous way. That his way is all about living with a heart of generosity. Isn't that exactly what that text is about? You've probably never thought of that before. That's exactly what this text is talking about. Look at the examples. Verse 39. He says, Whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the left cheek so he can slap you on that cheek. Is it really about wanting to get slapped and beat up? He's talking about everyday life here. Somebody abuses you. He says, How do you react? He says, They abuse you, they slap you right, turn the other. You know what it's about? He's saying this it's about being generous with grace. It's about being generous with grace. It's about showing someone grace and favor when there is absolutely no real merit for doing that. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth would say, you slap me on the right cheek, I slap you on the right cheek. You slap me on the left, I slap you on the left. That's what it would say. But Jesus says in generous-hearted people, in Christianity, a generous-hearted Christianity, that we are generous with grace. That we show grace and favor when there is absolutely no real merit for doing that. That it's extending grace simply because of generosity. It's going above and beyond the bare minimum. It's not, you, you know, they slap you so you slap them. It's give generously grace to other people. Look at verse 40. It says, They want your shirt, I'm trying to take your shirt from them, He says, give them your coat also. What is that all about? It's about being generous with our possessions. It's being less concerned with stuff and more concerned with people. He says, they come to you and they they want your shirt. Give them more than they ask for. Be generous with your possessions. How about verse 41? So somebody forces you to go one mile with them, and I'll explain what that means in a minute. Don't just go one mile with them, go two. What's it about? It's about being generous with your life and your time. And you need to pay attention to this one. Because it will rock your world. It will turn your world upside down. And I've got to tell you, as I've been going through this, I've been looking at this and saying, God, I don't really like what you have to say. You ever do that? I do all the time. I'm like, come on, God. Make it a little easier on us. But we've got to remember the foundation. He said, if we do these things, we're the recipient of blessings. If you give, you get back. If you bless, you're more blessed than receiving. So that's the foundation. We'll be blessed if we do these things. He says, go the second mile. Be generous with your life and your time. What's just a reference to. This is a reference to just everyday common life of a person in Jesus' day under Roman military rule. And that's how they lived. You know, that person is going about their life with their own plans, with their own timetable, and some cotton-picking Roman soldier who doesn't give a rip about them walks up, stops them, demands that you change your plan, stop your timetable, pick up his stuff, and carry it for a mile. See, the law of the land of their, their day required that if that Roman soldier demanded it of you, you had to listen, you had to pick it up and carry it for one mile. But Jesus says, don't do that. He says, don't just carry it one mile. Carry it two miles instead. He says, they forced you to go one, willingly go two. He says, be generous towards others with the time and the life that God has given to you. Friends, this one will change our world. When we stop thinking that it's just all about me having my plans and doing it my way. And understand that as I walk through my work world and I encounter things that challenge me to change my priorities, that there's many times that I have an opportunity to act generously to change my plans and go the extra mile with somebody else to help them in order just to be a blessing. Verse 42. He says, Give to him who asks and lend to him who wants to borrow from you. We usually run from people who ask and hide from people who want to borrow from us. What's he talking about here? Generosity. He says, be generous with your money. You know what? Looked at it last week anyways. We've been spending three weeks on generosity. If you haven't got that yet... Three weeks on generosity. City on a hill talked about generous for the poor. Pastor Bruce talked about generosity and stewardship with, uh, from the Gospel of Mark and the five feeding of the 5,000. And I'm dealing with generosity towards Thanksgiving, just living a generous lifestyle. And you learn something in this thing. It's not really your money anyways. If you haven't got that point, you need to get that point. That your very ability to live where you live and earn what you earn and the skill set you have to do what you do and the energy you have to get out of bed in the morning is a gift from God... And if you have a lot of resources, it's not yours anyways. It's God's. And he's trying to tell us here. He's saying, be generous with the money that I have entrusted to you. You know what it's about, friends, in this? It's about believing Jesus. When he really said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Not shrugging that off as not really true. It's to dare to believe that if you give, it will be given back to you in abundance so that you can give more. It's about about being willing to test God in that. And say, God, I'm going to give generously, believing you're going to pour out abundance on me, pressed down, shaken together, and running over so that I can give more away. It's about believing that. It's about daring to believe that generosity with finances leads to blessing and abundance. It's It's all about generosity. Verse 44. You say, this has nothing to do with generosity. It has everything to do with generosity. Love those who hate you and pray for those who persecute you. This is the hardest one on the whole thing for me. Bar none the absolute. I'm working through this one in my own personal life right now in a situation in my life. Love those who hate you. Pray for those who persecute you. You know what this takes to do this one? Being generous with forgiveness. That's what it's all about. Being generous with forgiveness. In order to love those who hate you, or to pray for those who persecute you, who lie about you, who mistreat you, who fail you, you need to choose to forgive. You need to make a choice that with a heart of generosity to extend forgiveness to those who have hurt you the deepest. Friends, when you do that, it results not only in being blessed and blessing them, but it results in freeing you. Forgiving someone frees you from the chains of bitterness and anger. Generous forgivers are free and content people. You ever find somebody who won't forgive? They're bitter. But generous forgivers. person who, who accepts Jesus' challenge here to say, "I'm going to ask you to act different than the world around you." To be generous in forgiving people who have hurt you, end up being people who are free people and content people. And that's what we really want in our lives. Anyways, can you see the pattern that Jesus is establishing here? Verse after verse after verse after verse. He wants us to be different. He wants us to be better. He wants us to be more blessed. And friends, understand that flows from hearts of generosity freely giving what's undeserved to others, giving what's unexpected to others, giving what's inconvenient to others, giving what's costly to others. But look at what the scripture says happens if we will live the way he's challenging us to live. Verse 45. Look at verse 45. You can start out this way, summarize, say this. If you'll do all these things, you'll live generously in all these capacities. Do it, verse 45, so that. When you see something like therefore in scripture or so that, it's saying or because it's saying all the preceding stuff is contingent upon what comes next. So do this so that. You may, that, you, that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. When we allow generosity to flow, friends, we become like our Father in heaven. Now, don't miss this. It doesn't mean you're going to sit in a cloud. It's not what he's saying. It doesn't mean you're going to throw lightning bolts. The very real goal that we desire for our own lives and the goal that Jesus desires for us is to be what? We said it earlier. People who are holy and content and fulfilled. Right? We said it earlier. To be people who are holy and content and fulfilled. Friends, that is a picture of the Father. That's who the Father is. Guess what? The Father never has a bad day. Right? The Father is never frustrated. Our Father in Heaven is never bitter. Our Father in Heaven is never worried. And Jesus says, we become like the Father when we live generously. Freely giving grace. Freely giving possessions. Freely giving time. Freely giving forgiveness to other people. Because friends, here is the answer. Giving releases something in us so that we can become more like the Father. More blessed, more fulfilled, more content, more joyous. The key is generous giving. You want to know the key to life? One of the most important? After you come to Christ, it's generous giving. That's the key to what you are looking for. And I'm telling you, friends, that's counterintuitive, it's countercultural, The world says just the opposite. Get and you'll be happier. Watch every commercial on TV. you know what the worst commercial for the holidays is so far? And I rank them. The worst one I've seen so far is some car ad. Where some guy gives his wife, and Suzanne pointed out to me, gives his wife a brand new car and she's all excited. And all of a sudden a different car drives by and they go, Oh, because that car is nicer than this brand new car. You know? That's what the world thinks. That's what we've been trained by media and the world to believe. Jesus says, I want to reprogram you. I want you to get you to think counterintuitively, counterculturally. And I want you to understand my truth, that if you give, you'll get. That you'll be blessed when you give, more blessed than receiving. Friends, a key to life is that generous giving leads to abundant living. It leads to holiness and contentment and fulfillment. That's what we really want. That's the stuff money can't buy. That's what the person who got the brand new car in the commercial could never have. They had fleeting happiness because I got a new car and it's fleeting because a new, a better car drives by and they go, oh, I wish I had that one. That's momentary happiness from receiving something. But Jesus offers us joy. Deep-seated, internal, calm, collected survives anything joy when we become people who walk in generosity. We give away what we have. We give away our time. We say, God, I'll bless people. They ask me for it, I'll give it to them. We understand that it's all just stuff that'll burn. And I want to live for eternity. Jesus says it. Generosity. Generosity is a key to becoming the people He wants us to become. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning?